0: Box Spots and Chair Shots, and people,
1: just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Bosh Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we're and here interested. on
2: box Spots and Chair Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here, definitely from the spotlight, on the savage representing a takeover, Spots
0: and,
1: and Chair Shots, just got... Savage. Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Bodgepods Pods and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll sprinkle in some world champions and the rewind, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am D. Will Gray, and I'm glad to be on this journey. And tonight, that journey is anything goes with AC, Mac, and RN. Let's yeah. go, bro. Man, I'm super hyped for it. So joining me tonight uh, is the reigning and defending IWTV Indie World Champion, AC Mack. AC, thanks for coming back on, man, and chatting about some wrestling. How are you tonight?
2: Yo, yo, thank you, thank you. I'm a little under the weather, but we're here now. The last interview went really, really well. So the minute you asked me to do this, I was was all on, on, on board. So thanks for having me.
1: I'm super hyped to have you, man. We always love to return guests and especially love to uh, see boys and friends of the show thrive, man. Also joining us tonight, he is on the top, let me see, top right of your screen. (laughs) He is the co-host of the Rewind with Kai. He is also one of the the brothers of the SmackDraw Podcast Network. He is the kennel master RN. RN, however you brother.
0: Not to mention you forgot the brains and beauty of the rewind and the Smackraw podcast
1: and <laughs> and the slayer because
0: I'm fucking destroying y'all in
1: fantasy as well so
0: just make sure you can do my other akas you just
1: want. I'll, I'll put those in my notes. so uh, see, <laughs> what we got going on man inside the the Smackraw network we've got I think four or five of us on teams and what we did was we drafted wrestlers a la fantasy football. And we're giving points based on how our drafted rosters do in real life, based on if they're on TV, if they're shooting promos, or if they win titles or lose titles, like it's like we have this whole system. It's been this running thing throughout all the shows all season. And uh, RN just ran away with it. And the best part about it is he called his shot the night we did the draft. He was like, every time I've ever drafted second, I've won it. And sure as shit, he's in (laughs) first place now. It's i got to
0: find somebody to replace fucking Cody now, and he was a big chunk of my points. so i got to find somebody to take his spot now.
1: That was a huge loss, dude. I can't hate that. Absolutely. It's, it's on my list. Kidding. Trust me, Cody is on my <laughs> list. Um, so before we dive too deep into the Anything Goes segment of the episode, I kind of wanted to open it up to the three of us to kind of take a second to talk about your career a little bit, AC Mac, and uh, discuss kind of what's going on in your world.
2: Yeah, 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 man, I'm here. What's up? What you want to know?
0: I guess I'm I'm just going to jump in. Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but like, I want to know, like, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, as a black man, like the whole, like being gay and homosexual, like it's different for us. So like, yeah. I didn't really understand it. And like, really like comp- contemplating, like take it seriously. to so, like, I got with my girlfriend, her best friend is, is a lesbian. And like, I never really thought about people not being able to be themselves, like for their entire lives. yeah and, Like once somebody explained that to me, like I fucking like, it blew my mind open and like made me look at everything because I'm all about authenticity and being your best self and being yeah. who you are. And I never thought about it as like, that. as like people not being able to be themselves to their friends and their family. So I guess my big question was like, what gave you the strength and like what made you finally like say, fuck it, I'm coming out and I'm gonna be the first fucking gay <laughs> world champion. Like that's yeah. type, that type of shit to me is dope. Like hearing those stories.
2: Yeah. It's hard, man. It's really, really hard. I saw a post. Um, a few days ago that said that, um, you know, the people in the LGBT community, they have to wear masks and they have to hide themselves out of protection. To the point where you become an actor of just giving other people this facade. Now you come out in your twenties and you have to unpack that and like pick pick out what from your childhood is real and what from your childhood was there um, just to protect yourself from others. So a lot of people in their mid to late twenties who are of the community, are still trying to figure it out. You know, we're in relationships now and it's like, do I show affection in public? Do I not? Like what's still okay? Like you have right. grown people who are still trying to figure it out like we we're in high school. So that part, it sucks. But um, yeah, I, I came out actually before I started wrestling. Oh,
0: okay. um,
2: I was in college and I, I would take it to the grave that nobody would know. I'd bury a woman and have kids and be fine. Right. Um, but I actually met a guy who I fell head over heels for, I fell in love with, and I just wasn't used to that feeling. I thought I was, but it wasn't until that hit that I was like, whoa, this is you know real. It's real.
0: You know it's yeah, real. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I, it sounds corny, but I always tell people, people it felt like having a superpower. It felt yeah. like no matter how bad the, the day got, I knew I was going to come home to him, and that just made it all the better. Um, I loved it so much so that that being in love, that's what made me say, you know what, fuck it. I'm coming out. Whoever doesn't like it, I'm sorry. But this this feeling that I have, I, I want to feel that. It's worth
0: it to life. share. It's worth it yeah. to share.
2: Yeah. So I was like, All yeah, right. fuck it. We out here.
1: <laughs> so, I asked, so I asked you on our previous episode... But uh, so we'll do it again live for these guys. I'm a mm-hmm. big old head in the industry, dude. That's one of the, the things RN and Kai both give me a lot of shit for being the, the <laughs> you know, the old guy on my porch. For, get off my lawn, you know, like that's <laughs> me. That's that's me. Um, but I'm a big guy on the territory days. Back in those days, those mm-hmm. regional independent titles were the the big ones because the world champ went everywhere. He was always in different territories all over mm-hmm. the country. But when those guys carried those uh those independent titles in those regional territories it meant something what you're representing now with IWTV could almost be seen like what the NWA title represented in the 1970s in a sense IWTV reigned all these independent promotions in together and said yeah. this is our world world champion AC Mac like yeah. how does it feel to be that dude for them to pin you as their guy to make the number 1 guy
2: it's, it feels unreal. It, uh, it's definitely uh, imposter syndrome. I just learned with that word. Is. So, <laughs> it's very much that. And I didn't even realize that that's how it was going to come across. They told me what the storyline was supposed to be, but it wasn't until after that I won the belt and we started going back and forth with Beyond the North. Uh, the best they,
0: part is, like, I don't mean to cut you off, like when they were yeah. in the back and you had your mask on, they are like... Don't be nervous. Calm down. Calm down. You're like freaking out and shit. Like that was, that was the best part of that whole fucking thing. Like leading up to. Like I watched all that. You were like Listen. fucking shaking in the back, in the back yeah. and shit. Like that was dope.
2: It's so hard to like really put into perspective how nervous I was. I tried to to explain it on the documentary, but it was bad. That whole week, it was hard to eat. I couldn't sit still. Like it just didn't feel real. So, but do you think
0: that? You're, you being a part of the LGBTQ community was a part of that? Like, was that why you were so nervous or was it more just the fact that they're putting the fucking stamp on you, that they're putting the rocket on your back and you're yeah. going to be a, be a part of, you're going to be the main man in the territory. Now, was it some of that? Was it all of that? Or was it just the fact that you were getting the strap?
1: Yeah.
2: At, well, it was all of that. But at first, it was just the fact that I was getting the strap. Right. The fact that this is an officially sanctioned world yeah. championship <laughs> yeah. so when when the pwi puts their lists out of their you know world champions
0: you're in the back and you're, and you're, next to, you're like
2: two spots below roman reigns like it's right. like what <laughs> yeah. so that that on top of finding out that there's never been an openly gay male world champion um, so that made it even worse the nerds right. so it was just it was a lot going on. it's very overwhelming in the best way possible
0: Nice. I, I could definitely feel like it was. It was definitely legit. Like, like I said, that was my favorite part of the documentary. Like, seeing you fucking like with your mask going shaking in the back. And I don't know if that was a commissioner He was. He's like, calm down, calm down. It's all right. You've done this. A yeah, he's the owner. Time. He runs yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, you've done this a million fucking times. There's it. nothing different. Just go out there. Right.
1: <laughs> so now that you've done it a million times, though, like, do you still get those nerves when you get oh, ready to absolutely. walk through that? When you're standing there at Gorilla and you're getting ready to walk through the apron, do those nerves still hit every time?
2: Absolutely. Every single time. And it's worse depending on the opponent. The bigger the right. name, the bigger the show, the bigger the audience. It, it just... It, I that's don't good. think it's going to go away.
0: That's good for you to hear. Cause it, like, and that's what anything that anybody does that you love. If it, if it doesn't make you nervous like this, like I was nervous getting on, like I've done a million of these, but like I was nervous getting on with a fucking world champion. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> if it doesn't make you nervous, then you shouldn't be doing it. That's what I was yeah. always taught. Like if, if you don't feel some type of way going in and doing something, then that's not what you need to be doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it shows you care, you know, right, you want to deliver right. the best, the best product that you can. So, we're all, every single wrestler is a perfectionism, perfectionist. And um, I think you'd be surprised at how many wrestlers just like shit on their own matches. Matches right. you may think are like classic. And then they're in the back like, oh, fuck, I should have done this. I should have done that. And writing down notes about how it can be, can be better. It just, it never ends. So it's crazy. <laughs>
1: all right, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you guys each one question. And I ask every guest on this specific episode this question. The question is, what has you pissed off for greatness in professional wrestling? And what that means is, what's the one thing right now that's just kind of digging under your skin about the sport or has you just kind of pissed off for greatness? AC Mack, you're the guest. I'm going <laughs> to tee off with you. What has you the most frustrated this week about professional wrestling? This week? Um,
2: I won't go into any specifics, but cancel culture not just within wrestling, but just entertainment as a whole. Um, I understand uh, people are just dead out wrong and people do make mistakes, um, but I, I think cancel culture points the finger too much right. rather than trying to figure out why this is a problem. And th- this person might need help. So instead of go away forever, um, go away for now and rehabilitation. And, and so that, that kind of gets gets to me just all forms of entertainment.
0: And I love that an uh, openly gay professional wrestler has well, that's his answer. Cause it's like because <laughs> a lot of this shit like don't get me wrong, like I know some people say stupid shit and they fuck up, but it's like yeah. how long ago was it? Like if it's some recent shit, that's different. Yeah. There people are getting canceled for shit they said when they were 18, 19 years old. 10, and 15 years ago. Yeah. And we're not the same per you're not the same person you are when you're 18, when you're 25, or sometimes even 20. So it's like I I couldn't agree with you more on that one, like, legit. Yeah.
2: I think we need to relax just a little bit. I'm not saying they're not wrong. I'm not defending them. But, like, we need to allow people in the spotlight to make mistakes.
0: And to grow, because
2: people do grow.
1: (laughs) Well, let me ask you both a question on that topic then. Um, I think it was Baker Mayfield, the year he was getting ready to be drafted in the NFL draft, people had went back to his Twitter when he was in high school, and he had tweeted out some lyrics to a rap song that had some – questionable content and he didn't edit himself at all do you feel like looking at it from the perspective could you use the excuse he was just a kid saying the words from a song because they tried to cancel baker for doing something he did at like 15 or 16 years old do you yeah, see absolutely. what i mean that's
0: that's almost exactly what he's talking about it's shit like yeah. that. it's like it's not the same and if you really look at some of the stuff like baker mayfield besides the, when the odell shit came out before that no teammate every teammate he ever had in college or the pros they always said he was the uh, the consummate professional I said he was a great teammate and, and like they fucking followed him and like like he was really with all the black people <laughs> doing the dances and shit you know what I'm saying like and all that like he was with all the so you know what I'm saying like stuff like that like it is like sometimes it as a different race or uh sexuality or everything like sometimes you do shit and you just don't know that you're offending someone. Yeah, Like, that's how I looked at this shit with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he said some stuff with nigga in it. But that's because he really loved niggas. Like, he loved <laughs> black music and rapping and shit. You saw it when he went to college and in the pros. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't, I don't, I think he knew it, but I don't think he realized it would be. Yeah. And, like, when you're 15 years old, like, come on, man, stop. We've all done stupid fucking yeah. offensive dumb shit when we're children. Like, you're supposed yeah. to get over That's why they seal your records. I got a bachelor's in criminal justice. That's why they seal your records before you're oh, 18. I didn't they know, know you're gonna do some stupid shit. <laughs> like that's why they do that for that specific reason. Because the shit you do when you're a child is not the same shit you do when you're an adult.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm super hyped that they didn't have things like Twitter when I was 14 and 15 years old. And not to date myself. I'm, I'm not on, I'm not old by any means, but I definitely think if social bro, media I think, had been a- I
0: think I'm older than you, bro, chill.
1: You are. I'm pretty sure, see, I'm not the old guy. See, I'm not the old guy anymore. Uh, But my, my point is like even just looking at where I was at 14 or 15, some of the things that like, it's questionable. People don't think about the things when I was listening to the music I was then and I look at it now and I go, okay, those things probably shouldn't have been said but I didn't mean anything by it when I did being exactly. penal, being penalized for something 20 years ago when as a child at 14 15 years old you didn't know any better that's where i feel like we reach a line where it's almost like okay guys what exactly are we trying to prove here right. you yeah. know what i mean are you trying to attack a child at this point for something who he genuinely may not have known any better for you know what i mean so i i can agree on some levels with what you were saying um yeah. rn what has you pissed off for greatness this week in professional wrestling
0: this this nostalgia shit that everybody has to fucking shove down our throats like i hate it like i don't like mainly uh roman reigns versus the rock like i don't want to see that shit i didn't want to see stone cold versus kevin owens like i don't want to see these old fucks that <laughs> like i watched this shit i've been watching wrestling non-stop i didn't take any breaks through high school i was a blur in fucking high school yeah play sports and watch wrestling. i ain't give a fucking nobody says yes. shit to me i've been watching wrestling since 1993 I don't want to see any of those old motherfuckers on my TV today. Like, if it's, like, some shit, like, where they just come back and, like, they talk some shit, do a promo, cool. But yeah. like I don't want to see any matches with these old dudes. I don't. Like, and nothing against The Rock. He's the biggest movie star in the world. The motherfucker ain't wrestling in how long. He doesn't show, like, he cares about wrestling. And, like, what does that do for Roman Reigns wrestling The Rock? Yeah. And everyone says, like, oh, they're going to bring eyes to the TV of WrestleMania. No, they're not. WrestleMania is for the fucking uh the random fan and the the casual fan. Anyway, those same people are gonna buy WrestleMania, whether The Rock comes or regardless, not. regardless. So, like, what exactly is that doing for anybody? What is that? Like, I know people says, oh, he gave the bump to 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 fucking Kevin Owens. No, he didn't. He gave a Stone Cold Stunner that he barely fucking did with his ass with fucking nineteen surgeries and looking like a ten man. That didn't help Kevin Owens in any way. I don't give a fuck. What anybody says, that did not make Kevin Owens look better taking a stunner from fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin and get beer poured all over. How did that make him look better? Please tell me that. Y'all can talk. I'm done with the nostalgia shit. Lead them old motherfuckers at home. Like, and that, then that reason they would talk about the brass ring. How can you grab the brass ring when every time there's a big show, you bring some motherfucker that's 70 years old out to grab it? Like, yeah. Makes no sense. None <laughs> whatsoever. But,
2: Goldberg. Y'all wanna see Goldberg? AC, I was going to ask you.
0: That's my main one I hate. Like, bro, get out of here, bro. How many people does he have to almost murder trying to jackhammer him before we realize Goldberg should not come back?
1: As somebody who's trying to make his way up, AC, what are your opinions on that when they bring somebody like Goldberg in, man? Do you think that's a – like, what do you you think about using the Hall of Famers the way they do currently?
2: Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm on the fence about it because when you look at it from a business standpoint, I get it. I get it, they're scrambling for ratings, they're scrambling for engagement. Um, They know nostalgia will always hit no matter what, and they're just poking at that. But on the flip side, it's really hard for somebody, let's say Seth Rollins, who's probably one of the best in-ring performers they have, for him to reach, Paul Heyman described it as a, you go from a superstar to an attraction you're a superstar, like, a, you know, you're there every week, people people kind of know you, but you want to become that attraction, like Brock Lesnar, like, no matter when you come, it's a big deal, and it's, it's hard for people to get to that, especially, I mean, even Roman, who is the guy right now, you know, undisputedly, but when you're constantly bringing in, you know, the Goldbergs, the Rocks, even though he's my favorite wrestler of all time, I get it, I get it, it's hard, so, i i I feel the frustration I see it and i i we the ruthless aggression era, the beginning of that like they were willing to take a step back and rebuild right. and I'm wondering when they're gonna be able to do that again like no stars you you create from the ground up. they're bringing in all these super athletes, but we're, we're still waiting
0: and that's my thing too it's like it's not like we don't have people that can perform or can be superstars, they just don't give them a the chance to, like, yeah. branch out to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the only reason why Roman got the chance is because he's related to The Rock and all And Let's just be honest, you know what <laughs> I'm saying? Like, but no one else has really got that chance to, like, branch out because to me, I think Seth Rollins is they, I think he's better than Roman. I think he's on yeah. a higher level than Roman, but, like, none of these guys are ever going to really get that chance because we, like you said, we're, we're there in that thing where they're, they're reaching for ratings and they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that. It's like, why? Like, don't mention the brass ring if you're really not gonna set anybody
2: yeah. up to fucking grab it. <laughs> well, and in my thing? opinion, in my opinion, I think they kind of don't want.
0: No, they don't. They don't. Yeah, names <laughs> to,
2: to get as big as the Rock or as big as Stone Cold because then you lose the leverage,
0: right? Then exactly.
2: HIPAA, Hollywood or Marvel can call and they're gonna offer a gazillion more dollars and they're gone. And I think they're. I don't think they want that anymore. Right,
0: we talk about that all the time on the rewind. Like that's exactly what it is, but they they don't have the balls to just say that they don't want anybody <laughs> to be bigger than the brand. So and that's why they don't give guys that opportunity. They bring those old fucks back because they can't hurt them. They're going to come for a
1: couple weeks and leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one of the hot topics right now with Roman being on a part-time uh, schedule. If it's not going to be Cody Rhodes getting pushed because of the injury sustained before Hell in a Cell, then we saw the horrific injury on the, the when he had the match with uh, Seth Rollins. If it's not Cody's time right now and they're looking to push it back towards the Rumble, if not Cody now, then who? Who do you think needs that push to push uh, up to the Roman Reigns level? Who's that next in line superstar right now, do you think?
0: I was going to say... Um... Riddle is the guy, but I mean they're already set him up to be the sacrificial lamb at Money in the Bank, so it's yeah. like
2: I mean I, I'm gonna you know. the only one I can think of is yeah, that's that's
0: saying.
1: I mean and they're not going to do
0: that clearly.
1: Yeah. Um, Kyle in the chat says fucking nobody. Um, <laughs> Allison says Seth. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there. We know he's not going to drop the belt probably before mania. We're going to get another year long stretch. What do you guys think about building Bobby Lashley up over the next pay-per-view or two and building a story with Lashley where he's the underdog baby face. He's getting right up there. He almost beats him a time, but maybe the Usos interfere. He almost beats him again, but then as a time limit draw, you know what I mean? They allow it to build throughout the summer while Cody's injured. What do you think about putting Bobby Lashley in that spot right now? Go ahead, I uh, What is that? <laughs> oh, I go ahead. I,
2: I, uh, I'm i not against it, uh, but just with anything Lashley, um, I, I need MVP with him. And I that might make him a heel and I'm sorry, but Fuck um, <laughs> I've never been the, I've never been the biggest uh, Lashley fan. But when he was with MVP, that was something special. And they kept, like, messing with minute, it. I don't mean to cut
0: you off. But I just want you to answer something. As a black man, because these dudes don't understand what i said. smiley nigga Lashley is not, the, is not it. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, you know,
0: like. like. They didn't understand that when I said that. I'm like, bro, I'm glad I got an actual other black person in order to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> smiley nigga Lashley is not it. It's not yeah. it.
2: Because we trying to play catch up. So we want right. somebody that's like really about it, we want somebody really gritty and it's like taking no prisoners, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I'm not against it. I would pick that over a lot of other people, but I, we got to shape it a little more. I, I need MVP back as the mouthpiece. I'm not against the uh, the, uh, the other guys getting back together. I'm not or against hell that. No, hell
0: no, like, yes, bring everybody back. Because that's, Please I mean, I
2: think back. at that point for it to look believable, because Roman's gone through the roster now, Right. for it to look believable, You know,
0: faction versus faction, faction Faction versus faction. Do you think this is an opportunity to,
1: do you think it's an opportunity to build a faction here? So you'd have judgment day. Then you would have this faction. Then you would have the bloodline. Like it would be multiple groups. uh, A la like the 1980s where you had the, the Heenan family and then you had the the heart foundation where you had multiple superstars in each faction. And it were these super groups. Do you think that's a direction they could go with it and build these like big factions (laughs) or groups?
2: Honestly, what I would love is that Roman's gone through the whole roster now. So we get like three or four figureheads to put factions together. And now you got three or four factions all looking at him at the same time. Like, okay, you ran through us, but like now we're desperate. We're, we're together. Like, we we got to <laughs> get this, this shit off you. So I feel like if multiple factions come in at, you know, at the same time as like just jumping them, I feel like that'd be completely different. Um, I, I and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think i've ever seen that
1: and are we talking like battle of new york style thing where we're gonna have like yeah, the leader like 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 of four, or yeah, like four yeah games in <laughs> new york where we got like the leaders of four and five gangs coming together so they can figure out who's gonna be able to be like the governing body of all of it like yeah enemy, the uprising yeah. of the, where they're the all working room. together
2: yeah they're trying to dethrone rome i think that would be such an interesting storyline and it involves my favorite thing in wrestling is where it involves like so many different bodies and intertwining stories. I right. love that. Like everybody hated the invasion storyline, but as a kid, I was it was that just was so dope. much going <laughs> on. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I would love something like that.
0: I wouldn't pick Lashley. I would pick like I would pick somebody new because we all know like summertime some shit always goes wrong. And summertime is like their time where they experiment and shit. So like I wouldn't mind them like going going ahead with like um theory or somebody or uh Montez, you know what I'm saying? Like they got a they got a little oh, click wow. right there, you know what I'm saying? Like them with with uh with riddle, you know what I'm saying? That's a three-man click where they can like gang up with each other and like watch each other's back. And like, let's yeah. let's all be honest. We know that Montel, they're setting him up to be the next guy. Like it may not be within <laughs> the next year or so, but like we yeah. can tell, like they're slowly he's getting more single matches, he's getting more time yeah. to like show his personality. He's fucking blew up now. He's muscular as shit, he's huge yeah. now. Compared to what he was in NXT, like we know that when he he's, first
2: started, yeah, yeah, Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we know that they're grooming him to be that guy. So, like, tonight now, like now is the time where you can experiment during the summer. Cause we all expect some wax shit or just some weird shit to happen during the summer. Like, cause it's just like it's that time of the year, you know what I'm saying? So like Yeah. I, and now that, like you said, because Roman has annihilated fucking everybody let's just start throwing some shit at the wall and see if it sticks. It, it sticks. Let's,
2: let's just sticks. have some fun with it. Right. Let's exactly. Like, this is the, yeah.
0: Especially with money in the bank where that's what all that is, is throwing shit at the wall and hanging a briefcase up. Like let's see how many people we can get that yeah. makes sense or that we can maybe see the crowd kind of get behind and see what happens. Like, I mean, that's, that's what I always thought the, the summer should be about. Like you give your main guys a rest until like July and get them going yeah. towards SummerSlam. But that made a made a, what is it uh what would it used to be like fucking uh one night stand and all that shit and everything yeah just uh, throw, some, throw some guys out there you may not think about and like see what fucking happens yeah they um, did it with
2: rvd in 06 with one night stand and look look how that turned out that that was exactly thing. that's that, like, what i'm saying like, match, the best absolutely. moment of his career yeah
1: um catching up some things in the chat kyle says the rn uh you're a coward for not saying drew gulak it's the rn uh the rewind's favorite wrestler. It is. It is. And then Allison called you out because she said, you know, good and well, he doesn't have the chat up. Do you, do you in fact have the chat up right now? I never,
0: I've never had the chat up the entire time. I've been doing Boom. This.
1: Points to Allison right now on air.
0: Um, I mean, if y'all don't know me by now, I still distracted. Like I can't like pay attention. I'll be looking paying attention to one and not the other. So I just stopped bringing the chat up.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask you guys right now. I have a two part question for you. Okay. Who do you think is the best wrestler right now in the world? But also the follow-up side of it: if you were 12 years old in 2022, who does 12-year-old AC Mack or 12-year-old RN think is the best wrestler in 2022? Does that question oh, wow. make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay, go for Ooh. it.
2: Go ahead. Ah. So uh, you uh, want some time?
0: Because I already know I got the answer. Just ready to go. Like.
2: I think I feel like I've just I've been singing his praises the whole show, but like I think. Honestly, Seth, I was, I was going to say, you know, I was kind of looking through New Japan, I was looking through AEW, but like the way he's able to consistently perform at such a high level with whoever they put out there in front of him. I think you can't go against him. But if I was 12, then I would think Roman was the, was the best out there. Like he got all the belts. His group has all the belts um they position him like a star you know he, when he comes out the world stops so as a 12 year old i would think he would be the excuse me i would think he would be the best wrestler oh well he
0: took my answer as Seth for me i mean y'all y'all know smack Raw people know seth's my number one right now like my mvp <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like honestly like he's not even i never thought of him as one of my favorite wrestlers if you if you asked him like a year or two ago
2: yeah same. maybe
0: he'd be maybe my top 10, but, like, after yeah. from the quarantine on, like, bro, like, he's my guy. Like, he's my number one in the world right now. And then 12-year-old me, I'd pick Will Osprey because I was a big ah. DX fan. And, like, he's, like, <laughs> a combination. To me, he feels like a combination of, like, old-school Triple H and Shawn Michaels DX. Like, he just got that swag. We were just talking about it on the Rewind. Like, it's just something about how he carries yeah. himself. Like, he's smooth as fuck. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he seems like a killer. At the same time, so like if twelve year old me would definitely ride with the United Empire Will Ospreay, for sure. And he uh,
2: the things he can do in that ring is unreal. Facts. It makes me feel like, why am I even here? Like, why am I?
0: <laughs> that's why what I said I like trying. the Shawn Michaels because that's how I felt about Shawn Michaels when we were kids. Like, yeah,
2: nobody's nobody's hanging with this fucking dude. But
0: Triple H is my favorite all time. So, like Triple H is the demeanor. Too. Triple H is like demeanor and like how fucking like he was Shawn Michaels like. Hitman and shit. Then plus what everything Sean could do in the ring. Like that's how I look at will, will Osprey right now.
1: Um, in the chat, we've got Seth as a pick. We've got Roman and Riddle both getting thrown out there. Uh, Bianca, because she's a fucking baller. I completely agree with all those picks looking yeah. at where I was at in 12 and 13 range. Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley were always my number one and number one A, always one and two back and back, no questions asked. So if 12-year-old Will was watching wrestling in 2022, I think I would like MJF. For a lot of the same reasons, I like oh, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. He was that bad boy, but he was also still a badass in the ring, though. MGF oh, yeah. does nothing but put out consistent bangers week over week. And yeah. when you look at his consistency and the where he's at in his career and the turn on Jericho, I'm by no means saying he's the second coming of HBK at all but what I'm saying is with the right guidance and if he eventually gets under the the tutelage of, say, a Paul Heyman, you know what I mean? MJF and Paul Heyman together could be unstoppable, and I don't feel like there's any reason why that wouldn't be the case. And then my number two pick would probably be somebody like – brian danielson or cm punk somebody's gonna get in there and just really beat the shit out of somebody but still stretch them you know what i mean like get in there and make it look like a wrestling match but you know they're gonna bleed a little bit on a pay-per-view and that's what i you know that yeah. they knew the right time to uh to get color so that's what i really liked about those guys um so yeah i'd probably say cm punk or an mjf would be my two pick right now yeah for sure. when it comes to AEW,
2: mjf is at the top of my list he's the he's the one i'm like most excited to see when i watch dynamite and with the current storyline now like I, it's intriguing like as a worker i'm still like mm, well wait a minute well hold on
0: is it a worker or shooter
2: or <laughs> right 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 right. and so for you to make a grown man who is in wrestling think that i think that's important so
0: that makes me feel even better about it because i feel that way too like i never know like i like i know it's a work i mean right. like i know it's like a work but is it like i'm always <laughs> like but now that another fucking wrestler said it too, like I feel better. Yeah, so, yeah. Cause
2: I have friends there. Right. And they're right. left in the dark, but this entire time, MJF ain't been the most liked person backstage from what I hear. So it's kind of like, damn, I, I can believe this. It, it could <laughs> actually be like, you know, so I'm intrigued. And then Daniel Bryan said, I mean, come, come on. Like
0: right. he
2: is a restless wrestler who knows how to still wrestle for TV. And when I tell you that is so, so hard to be can like. Can you explain a, that? Like, when I say a wrestler's wrestler, they're, they're like a genius. They're like a William Regal, who's very technical. They don't care about the shenanigans. They don't necessarily care about entertainment. They're here to wrestle. The the, the Eddie was another one that kind of toted that line. He was right, both. Right, right. But Daniel Bryan, he can get out there and do something really special and really intricate um, that a lot of people probably wouldn't get or understand, but he knows how to make it entertaining. And I think that that is one of the hardest thing in, things in wrestling to do because you're either or. Right. Like I, I chose the entertainment side. I'm not out there trying to do wrist locks and dragon sleepers <laughs> and stuff like that, but he can do both. And that's, that's, that's what hard.
0: I wanted you to get toward the department where it's like, yeah, he's being a wrestler's rush, wrestler, but he's also making it easy for people on on TV
2: to fall yeah, in love with it too. Exactly. Y'all, that's not easy. I promise. Oh my gosh.
1: So asking a kind of an in-ring psychology question, if that makes any sense at all, do you feel like there's a huge difference between wrestling on TV when you plan, when you get ready to do a match, say on IWTV or something, and you're doing the match there versus if you're doing a spot show or an indie show somewhere that you may not have the time limit restrictions? Do you adjust your match based on if it's a TV match or not? Is, do you, do you yeah. understand what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to, um, because the indie crowd, the bar has been set so high. We, you know, we were just talking about Will Osprey. So could you imagine how? To, if I'm on a show with Will Osprey, I got to bring it. There's no downtime. Right. There's no yeah. heat. There's no jaw jacking. There's like it's, it's big move after the another, and you have to make it make sense. You have to put things in place. But yeah, it's a completely different ball game. And <laughs> I will admit, that's that's not my strength. That's not, like, I, I don't consider, even though I am the indie world champion, I don't consider myself the, like, the indie guy when it comes right. to stereotypes. So, uh, I'm not against it. I think it's beautiful. I think what they're able to do is is amazing. But, yeah, you, it's, it's definitely different from, say, watching The Miz on Monday Night Raw.
1: Um, That's
2: TV, Yeah.
1: Chats catching up. Allison said 12 year old her would be for Roman, but not because of his wrestling abilities. <laughs> um, hey, Kyle, got
2: it.
1: yeah, <laughs> got it. noted. Um, the only thing CM Punk is stretching is the truth on his in ring ability. Um, and Will Ospreay is the new Jon Snow. Uh, stretching the truth on his in-ring ability. Um, I feel like that's a pretty hot take. I feel like right now yeah, when it comes to executing a wrestling match. That's like not hot CM- at all.
0: Let's be, CM Punk is not the CM Punk in the ring that he was before he got back in. That shit is, <laughs> I'm not saying it's ass, but it's not the, the best in the world CM Punk. And that motherfucker, he be making me feel like I can work cardio. He be winded as shit. And I'm fat and out of shape at almost 42. He would make me feel like I could last longer in the ring now. I'm like, let's just keep it 100. Like, it, don't get me wrong, on the mic, he's still seeing Punk. He's untouchable. Yeah. Probably the only person that's anywhere near him is, is MJF. Right. And that's any promotion anywhere in the fucking world.
2: I
1: agree. You
0: can add me if you want. But yeah. in-ring-wise, he's dropped a couple notches in-ring-wise compared to what we were used to, what he was doing before he retired.
2: I will uh, say, I, I wish he was booked differently i wish he Facts. came in like the star that he is you know i don't and this is no disrespect to punk i don't want to see him in the opening 20 minute banger on dynamite we oh. I, I need to it needs to be almost like lesnar-esque
0: like yeah exactly we should
2: see you on pay-per-views only i get it AEW's a different ball game they they do things differently but if i had to say so in it it i i don't i don't want to ruin that magic i don't wanna, even... I want to miss him
0: and not even necessarily just was like like they were doing when they started out, like once he got a little bit in, like the 10, 15-minute match on Rampage, where
2: yeah. it's
0: not that many eyes on him, but it's giving him enough time to kind of shake That's the great. fucking ring rust yeah. and, and get some give another young guy to rub, you know what I'm saying, like that. If they had kept it at that and then, like, kept him kind of hidden away, ducked off in the corner, it would have been a little bit different. But like you said, the fact that they threw him front and center 20 minutes yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like uh dynamite, like we got to see the chicks in his armor that we hadn't seen before because we hadn't seen him in almost a decade. So
1: yeah, like no, I t- I totally agree with you. Do you think it's do you think it's ring rest or just sheer age? I was looking it up. He's 43 years old. It's Woo! age.
0: It's not real, Russ. I mean, do you it's think like it's a,
1: just sheer fact? If you look at some, another sport, for instance, AC Mack, you'll be able to speak on this because you're 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 in the industry right now today. At 43 years old, they say a lot of times running backs start to age out at a certain age because of the miles on their wheels. Do you yeah. think in, uh, with somebody like CM Punk at 43, do you think this is a point where he might be putting those last few miles on his tires before it's where he has no choice but to go? Uh, yeah,
2: And I think he's overdoing it. If you notice, when people start to get in their late 30s, early 40s, there's they lighten their schedule. Like when they renegotiate with their contracts and they're, and they're talking events, it's like, hey, like, you know, I, I love being here. I don't want to retire just yet. But do you oh, think five nights a week? I can't do that anymore.
1: With Roman going on a part-time schedule at 37 years old, though, do you think this is Roman maybe trying to prolong his career a little bit now with him going on a part-time schedule?
2: I think he's trying to do both. I think he's trying to prolong his career and allow time to explore other opportunities out there. And at the end of the day, I think he's earned it. He might not be 43, but, I mean, when you think about it, since about, what, 2015, he's been the guy. So, like – He's earned it, I think. And he's putting on, like, bangers every time he's out there. And he's put over talent. I know the, the Buddy Murphy match, I still ain't over that. Like, that was great. Mm-hmm. So for him to do stuff like that when he doesn't have to, I think that's commendable.
1: Okay, so AC yeah, Mac, I want to read you a comment in the chat right now. And I'm curious to hear your perspective as a professional wrestler, okay? The comment <laughs> says, or he could adopt a Randy Orton style and not be as exposed. When you hear somebody say that about a stylistic of wrestling, uh, what what does that mean to you when they say he's not going to be as exposed?
2: Um, No wasted movement. Um, Us on the Indies, we all praise Randy Orton because he's not out there running all over the place. He's got the psychology down to a T to where he will never get blown up. And he's a smoker. He will never get blown up because of how he plans his matches. I remember I was lucky enough to be able to run some drills with AJ Styles here in Georgia. And we were able to pick his brain while we were there, just kind of running spots and just kind of keeping his cardio up. Um, he said his favorite person to wrestle in the E is Randy Orton because he just gets it. He does. Like that that comeback, I'm not running all over the place. You run into me. You run at me, line. You run at me, power slam. Like I, I'm not doing the running. I'll give you that DDT and it's the same shit. Every single time when we shat on John Cena for doing the same five moves, they all do it. They all do the same five moves because that's TV wrestling. The more you do it, the more crisp it is. That's what Speedball told me. He was like, you know, he, he planned this crazy ass match, but it's the same spots that he always does. So he doesn't feel nervous. He doesn't feel like, oh, I got to make sure I remember everything and blah, blah, blah. No, it's the same match. And that's what Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a speedball guy. When you look at people like Ray Phoenix, um, not I, I feel like I've been AEW heavy for that. And that's not specifically my thing. I feel like Kyle's typically are AEW guy yeah. <laughs> on our brand. I'm more of the NWA guy, but I've been feeling like I'm like big AEW tonight. So when you look <laughs> at somebody like Ray Phoenix wrestle, they say yeah. things like he's a, a high spot guy or a spot fest guy. Um, do you feel like he's adapting that Lucha style to wrestling on AEW TV or trying to adapt that Lucha style to AEW TV? Um,
2: I think so. I think so. Um, when they, and, and spot fest has such a negative connotation, like there's a way to do it to make it make sense. There's a way to do it to where, you know, you can please different kind of fans or different kind of wrestlers. But yeah, I definitely think he's uh, uh, trying to bring that Lucha style to, to make it more normal aW I think he's great
0: i think he's I think my he favorite is. he's my favorite person in AEW. not that kenny omega's out and yeah like you said like he he that even though he, he is a spot fest but it's also it also fits in the tv like it's not nothing super crazy like he can get yeah i've seen the motherfucker in person like he can get way worse and do some crazier shit you know what i'm saying <laughs> like trust me i've seen him in person here in ohio a couple times like at rockstar pro and yeah uh revolver so like he trust me, it could get worse. He's definitely toned it down, and like you said with Daniel Bryan, like made it Lucha TV style compared yeah, to what it could. Yeah, you have to
2: make <laughs> some adjustments. Like you, yeah, you can do a whole bunch of shit, but you gotta make sure that the people can follow you. Ricochet did the same thing. Sad. AJ Styles did the same thing. Even with him, it's kind of age as well. Right. But yeah, once you you have to, you have to let the people let the people register what you're doing. You just have to.
1: All right, gentlemen, so let me ask you another question. In the dirt sheets in the rumor mirror right now floating around is the headline that there's the possibility of getting a uh, Austin Theory versus John Cena match in the near yeah. future. RN, you've already preached a little bit about the nostalgia factor of bringing these old guys back again. <laughs> if they try to give Austin Theory the rub by giving him a Cena match, do you guys think he's ready for that already as a young U.S. heavyweight t- uh, champ?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I've been watching him a long time. I've seen him a couple of times in, in Missouri and Maryland and Evolve. And if you've watched this show long enough, I've been screaming his praises for three years, yeah. and I've said he's a young John Cena, like yeah. he. And the worst part is we've not even got to see how good he really is yeah, on the mic because it. they won't let him. Like, you thank you, it. another pro wrestler. Like I've been screaming that to these dudes for two Listen. years that he's fucking ridiculous on the mic, and we haven't even seen the shit yet. Like, and Me? I think. Go go
2: ahead. Go ahead. Go. Oh my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead, go ahead. Me and Theory started training under AR Fox within two weeks of each other. Hell yeah. And at this point now, I've been in the ring with some of the best in the world, thankfully. And Austin is still, still one of my favorite opponents, bar none. The things that he's able to do, and you're right, they they haven't let him off the leash yet. No. It's so weird talking about him possibly challenging Roman or facing John Cena because he's a, I see him as a peer. So it's weird to hear that, but I 100% understand why the company would want that and why the fans can kind of tell and and, and can kind of see it happening. He is a lot better than you probably already think he is. It's insane. It's insane. Somebody that big should not be able to move the way he does. It is insane.
0: And that's another thing too. He doesn't get enough credit. Like he you don't look at him as being that big of a guy, but he really bro, is.
2: Like he's you know. like he did bodybuilding competition. Yeah, right that's what it's I'm a saying. real like, deal. Bro,
0: I've been singing this man's praises forever because like I got lucky enough to see a bunch of shows have evolved. I was just in Missouri for work for a weekend. I got to see him record, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and he even, he looks like John Cena when he was a prototype. He got the shorts, like, and everything back then and all that, like, and I told people, And that's
2: his favorite wrestler, like... I didn't even know that. (laughs) That's not TV. That's not him. That's not them just doing it because they look like that. He legit loves John Cena. And you can see it. He Yeah. That man, I'm
0: telling you, like, I've been telling these fools forever, like, we have not even scratch the surface of what Austin Theory could be yeah. or will be once they fucking give him the the mistreatment and just let him go and do his thing. Like,
2: And he's only, what, 24? That's what I just, he, yeah, 24. You got a ago. whole another 15 years of him. And because the way he thinks, he's such a hard worker. He's very military. He, no distractions. He's straight edge. He's very, like, um, with the Cena mindset, the Bobby Lashley mindset of just people right. who've been in the Army and they know how to stay locked in no matter what. He has that. And I think that's why they fuck with him so hard. Stylistically, here
0: It's Kyle in the chat. You hear that? Another professional wrestler telling you the same shit I've been telling you about Theory for (laughs) two and a half, three years
1: now. Kyle says Theory is one of the reasons you tune into Raw. Um, Looking at it from what you were just (laughs) saying about Randy Orton and the way he wrestles his matches, I look at maybe Austin Theory as being a young version of him as well. Because when you see his matches, he knows what moves he's good at and how to execute them flawlessly every time. Um, I also look at somebody like Madcap Moss. I didn't like him with the Baron Corbin story very much. But when you watch Moss work, he looks comfortable in the ring. His moves are tight. He's crisp with his timing. Like, the things that I say make a good professional wrestler a good professional wrestlers when they yeah. can get past the moves and they're looking at things like timing and their facials and their ability yeah. to sell. Like, these are all things that Madcap Moss excels at. So when he gets ready to shed this version of himself and become whoever the next version of, of Moss will be, I feel like him and uh, Theory are kind of in that same position where right now we're getting that this is who we are, this is who yeah. we're going to become. You see what I mean?
2: If you if you get them at Mania one on one within the next five years, it wouldn't shock me at all. It was, unless they're just already pushed uh, Theory to the moon, right? The <laughs> uh, I think that's was, gonna
0: happen before we see them versus. The
2: Mania. <laughs> it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It's oh my gosh, I can go on for days. That man's good. That man's good.
1: Um, so looking at it right now, playing off of what Kyle was saying, he's the reason you tune into Raw. Raw this past week regained wrestling supremacy as the most watched wrestling program. Do you think currently right now, as we stand on June 2nd, the 14th, not the 2nd, June 14th <laughs> of 2022, do you think Raw right now is the best live wrestling programming that you can watch week over week?
2: To me, wait, it is. wait, more, more ratings than SmackDown?
1: Uh, raw, yeah. If the headline, I, I, may be, I may be not correct, but they had the highest rating That's in the shocking. core demo and they had the highest rating across the uh, as far as I know. So I might yeah. be wrong, somebody might correct me, but I was That's- rechecking my notes ahead of time. But they regained wrestling yeah. supremacy as the Mooch Watch wow. wrestling program. Do you guys well, I, currently think it's the best program of the yeah, the big two been, or three promotions? Yeah,
0: and I've been saying it on the rewind the past fucking month that raw is not terrible anymore, like it's I, not. It's, it's, It's been mostly mid. Right. It's been mostly mid. Like, it hasn't been, like, super, but it hasn't been any shitty shows probably since fucking January or February to me. Like, it's, like I said, it's been a couple shows where you're, like, eh, that was all right, but it hasn't been any shows where you're, like, why the fuck am I watching this? Like, we went through a long time of that. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, to to me, it has been, like, and I've been preaching that, so.
2: Yeah, and I'm biased, so I'm, no matter what the landscape looks like, I'm always going to say Raw. Just because Damn. I grew up Team Red, uh, back when Triple H was opening them up with twenty print twenty minute promos and
1: oh man, don't get don't <laughs> please right now, don't Love get it. my boy R N going on Triple H. I that is his that was my boy. That is his. The first thing I
2: saw in wrestling was was Monday Night Raw, so for, it's forever gonna be a staple for me. But just I out of curiosity,
1: that. what wrestling were you exposed to when you were a kid? Like, what were you watching when you were a kid?
2: When I was a kid, it was the Attitude Era. And okay. I, I wasn't even still locked in yet. I was just, wrestling was so big at the time that it was just pop culture. Like, you knew right. what it was without watching. So I would see yeah. stuff in the hallway from my peers, them doing the rock stuff, the Undertaker stuff. And I knew it was wrestling, but I would tune in every now and then just to kind of keep up with what was going on in the world. But it was huge. And I don't think I've ever seen it be that huge since. How, how old
0: were you doing? Like, How are you right now?
2: I'll be 30 in September.
0: So, yeah, we all, well, yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. here. I'm almost 10 years old, but it was I started like uh, Ultimate Warrior got me into like my my mother's godbrother. He used to come in and do the, 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 the tosses in the fucking air and
1: shit. Like <laughs> right, right. That's what my you kid know <laughs>
0: Like, But the attitude Era is when I got locked in. That was when I knew like this was like that's when I knew this wasn't like you know, when you're a kid and your family, like, oh, it's a face, he'll grow out of it. Yeah, like once once Shawn Michaels and Triple H came out, tell motherfuckers to suck and stuff. Like, I knew that I would I would never not <laughs> like this. Like, I like I said, like. Most of the people that we do this show with, like they all have their like gaps in wrestling. Like, yeah, I'll be I'll be 38 in August. Like, I have never stopped watching wrestling since I started when I was six years nice. old. So, like, I, this is my a lifelong love and passion for me. So, like, and there's yeah. been some rough gaps. Yeah, there's and there's been some rough, rough gaps. gaps. But yeah, no, the attitude era is when I was just like, that's when I knew I like, like, I'm like, this, I'm I love this. Like, I, yeah. I love this. <laughs> this is wild. the.
1: The perfect segue here. And I love it when I have good guests that come on that help my show run because it makes my job as easy as possible. One of my suggestions for a topic was the four pillars. You hear Tony Khan bring this term up. We've heard who they are, what he thinks. But since all three of us are so... In tuned with the Attitude Era, I am I had three different eras picked out, but I think it kind of chose itself here for us. If you were to look back at wrestling in that late 90s, early 2000 period, who were WWE's four pillars during the Attitude Era? Either one of you can go first. Just hop right yeah. in and go. I'll,
2: I'll go if you're thinking. I got like three, but...
1: I have mine picked out. Yeah, you guys I, go ahead and start chiming I in. I got in, four. I'll start throwing it's... it's, mine. it's Shawn
0: Michaels, Rock, Austin, and mid card would be. I'd probably have to say Triple H in the mid card, like going out of all of that, like when he first took over DX and all that. Like, yeah. And that was going into the 2000s. So, like, out, right out of the attitude era and all that. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Rock, and Austin. And that's
2: not me I... being biased, that's being real. Hey, see who you got. <laughs> I would do the same, but I would take out Sean and put in Taker only because when Sean went out with his back injury, I felt like that was like the attitude era started right after that, I think.
1: Okay. But my, oh, go ahead. Sorry. but I was
2: just going to say he came back in 02 right after the attitude era ended. <laughs>
1: right. So that's going to chime my two cents in. I'm going to go ahead and say that Sean Michaels... I have the same, the the kind of in-between opinions about him in the Attitude Era. He came through in uh, 92, and then by 96, 97, he was out and came back in the early 2000s, around 02, whatever the timing is. I feel like he missed that chunk of the core yeah. Attitude Era. So looking at my four pillars, I would have said Austin and Rock are easy. 1A awesome. and 1B, week over week, no matter what. Those two guys carried the industry. Um, number three would be Undertaker. I feel like consistently speaking, that was one of his most solid runs. They weren't necessarily his power world championship runs, but the American badass, you know, it uh, the, yeah, it was such an iconic character. So I would say Taker would be my three. And that's my favorite,
0: favorite. Hot take. That's my favorite Undertaker.
1: Hands down. Absolutely. Oh, okay. The American badass, um, like attitude era Undertaker, absolutely my favorite. Um, then my number four is always going to be, and I say it every time I talk about him, we do not deserve him on the planet. He is the coolest person ever. And that is Mick Foley. Like, (laughs) I think what that man did for wrestling in the late nineties, like he changed the game. You know what I mean? Like the bumps he was willing to take and the way he was willing to sell and the things he did uh like Jim Cornette said that he could get run over by a bus and not sell it I completely disagree in the sense that when you watched him get thrown off that cell in 97 or 98 like you literally watched him and went oh fuck he may die like he may have (laughs) died when that happened (laughs) like um, uh so that
0: was almost when I stopped watching Russell because my mom thought that shit was real and thought we just watched a dead body for real.
1: Yeah. Like that but was I, almost
0: the end of me watching wow. wrestling.
1: <laughs> but I feel like he changed it so much to the point of what they, what we found out the human body was capable of. That's how he changed wrestling. So that's yeah. why, that's what I, those who my four you pillars would be through the, You just, you just, you just convinced
0: there. me. I'm taking triple H out. I'm putting in mankind. I, uh, I, I, have, you just
1: convinced me. I just convinced <laughs> our end, a, a triple H guy. To take Triple H off his list and replace him with Mick I, Foley. I, I,
0: I always forgot about like the different fucking fifty nine burgers of Mick Foley we got. Yeah, that's that
1: attitude. The show's era. over. <laughs> Thank you all for stopping by. We're gonna wrap it. We're hey, putting it on record.
0: I'm, I'm listen. Y'all know I'm a but I'm biased when it comes to my wrestling. Like, I, I, you know what? That was a great argument. I, I yeah, I replacing yeah. him with Mick Foley for sure.
1: Um, speaking on another attitude era icon, and Bret Hart. Uh, well, depending on how, if you want to say allegedly, attitude or, allegedly, um, he was recently quoted as saying Natalia is a pioneer who breaks ground every day. Rn, this is the one I got for you, sir. Do you think Natalia is a pioneer who breaks ground every day?
0: No, I think she was like a rich. She started out as like the only real wrestler in the diva era, and like as much <laughs> like say I, I, I don't know if you, know, I hate Natalia like. I don't hate her, but like she's just so fucking like overrated and shoved down our throats worse than any Roman Reigns, Undertaker, anybody. But once that we made that shift to where not everybody was just big titties and makeup, yeah, she fell down. Like I'm sorry, like she's not as good as everyone claims she is now, and she hasn't been for a long time. Bro, they put her in the Macho Man A-E documentary because she swam at their pool when she was five years old. <laughs> She is the epitome of live, laugh, love. Like ask all the way around, bro. She's not groundbreaking as far as anything goes. Unless you mean like for plastic surgery or having the most oh, lips, shit. The, the stiffest lips and shit. Like, but other than that, or how many cats she can you can own and shit. Like, other than that, there's she, what is she breaking ground on? Name the last great Natalia match since before what was it? Uh Shane, her and Shayna three years ago. Like, name a, a she can't even do the sharpshooter right. Look how many times she fucks up the sharpshooter, and it's her family move. She should be able to do that with her eyes closed in a dark arena, where you know what I'm saying. With, just you did this on purpose. Fuck you, Will. <laughs> Why are you making me show out in front of company, Will?
2: Yo, so look, I'll- dude. I'm,
1: I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. I don't mean to cut you off, AC Mack. I am notorious for doing this, and I love the fact that. When I find out that I've got somebody I love, RN, I've done it to a few other people. I will find a topic and put it like halfway through the episode, and just this wait for that at? moment and just drop it on them, just because I'm just gonna be able why, to hit. Why like, are you
0: making me show out in front of the company, Will? Like we just, it's just it's, it's my first time here with them at our home. Under the smack raw (laughs) umbrella, like you want to make me act an ass in front of
1: company, man. Come on, bro. Look, I'm just going to show him what he's going to get when he comes out. It's like (laughs) when you come out, you come to the cookout, you know exactly what to expect every time you come. You see what I mean? Like, this isn't going to change. This is just who we are. Yeah, this is exactly. This is, this is just what to expect, man. That's just the this way is it is. Like, if you break up Natty, I'm going to have a fucking rant. <laughs> and I knew I could get it. That's what it was. That's just like bait and hook. I knew I was going to get and, you going. Bait and fucking hook. Okay. Um. So speaking on a current superstar who is absolutely ready to go, but the question is going to be, where should he land? And that person is Antonio Cesaro. What are your opinions on this guy? And where do you think he should go next? Go ahead, I see
2: uh, I think he's one of the best to ever do it. Severely underrated to the point where I could just break down in tears because, God, his matches have been great for, it's got to be over a decade now. Way I, I wasn't over the a biggest.
0: Decade.
2: Yeah, I wasn't the biggest ROH guy back then, but from what I've seen, that was amazing as well. Um, the worker in me wants to say AEW, but they got too many people right now. I feel like he could help bring an impact up or further up, I should say, but yeah, that's all I got. Not AEW, it's just too
0: many people. Yeah, not AEW for me either, but shout out to Marie Shadows. He should definitely go to New Japan and join the United Empire.
1: Uh, Ah, I was going to follow up question would be, I have written on my notes just so everybody can see that I'm not cheating. You can't really read that shit. But I'm just gonna. Y'all can't read uh, shit. Uh, I have BCC question mark slash New Japan Pro Wrestling question mark, and that would would he be be, be a better fit in the Black Bull Combat Club, or would he be favor be more favorable if he went to New Japan Pro Wrestling? Not necessarily to be in the Bullet Club by any means. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. But do you think cesar has the style to be over in Japan? Fuck yeah. Like, he that yeah. hard-hitting
0: power style. Like, yeah. I, that's why I said the United Empire, because I'd love to see him and Jeff Cobb in the tag team. Like, they, I think that would be a dope-ass tag team over in New Japan. Them just completely fucking wrecking people, because those are clearly, by far, probably the two strongest people in fucking professional wrestlers. Like, seeing them dudes toss people around in the heavyweight division, like, I think that shit would be amazing.
2: Yeah. And I just, wherever he goes, I want him to be packaged as a main eventer. Facts. Like, we love can go, but like I want to see him as a star.
1: Uh chat says way too many people in AEW uh completely agree with that. I think I've always said that with three hours of live TV, blah blah blah, four hours on YouTube, and with a hundred and sixty person roster or whatever we're up to, that just seems ridiculously big for me as to like how huge this roster really is to try to fit that many people into quality stories on three hours. We can talk forever about that. Um, Looking at another topic though, around AEW is there's a new ladder match coming on dynamite on Wednesday due to the Hardy situation. This seems to be a reoccurring issue with Jeff now, uh, what do you guys think about this growing, and AC, this is another one for you because you're currently in the business, man. You've got your your finger on the pulse, so to speak. What do you guys think about the rising numbers of substance abuse issues inside the world of professional wrestling?
2: Um, it is scary. It's a it's, it's a lot greater than what you think it is. I've seen a lot of shit backstage that I was just uncomfortable with, uneasy with. Um, I, I'm very... Vocal and respectful um, about wanting my opponent to be clear-headed and safe. And um, the Jeff Hardy stuff is unfortunate. I, I can't. When I saw that headline, I just didn't believe it. Not again. Not again. Um, it's to the point now where us as fans, we have to let our bias aside and say, you know, this this should be over. Facts. And we, and as somebody who's loved him for years, like I would rather you go get help and never wrestle again. Cause I think it's him trying to live up to what he's done in the past and to keep these big spots rolling. And the shit hurts. The shit hurts. And it I feel like he feels like there's no way out of the pain other than the substance abuse. Right. And so at this point, I would rather just eliminate the pain. So. Well,
0: as the only uh, black dude that did like Jeff Hardy, like, Wow! Really, bro? I did. I did like WrestleMania 2000. After that, another bot spots
1: and chair shots first. All wow. right, yeah, yeah, like, oh, being a black man yeah, that does like, not totally like bad. Jeff Hardy.
0: Black Twitter been fucking <laughs> blazing me about it, but my thing is like, how many more fucking shots can you give a dude? Like, yeah, <laughs> and like I said, like I know, I know addiction is a disease. I'm not saying it's something that you can easily get over, easily right. overcome. Like, I actually lost my younger brother to an overdose of heroin oh, wow. uh, in 2015. So, like, it's not something I take lightly. Or something that I just fucking brush aside. But it's like what what I took away from that experience was how long can the people around you enable you yeah. and okay the shit that you're doing. And that's what it is. Like, because remember WWE when that when he walked out on the ring, they asked him to go to rehab. And yeah, him and Matt and all of them said that he wasn't on drugs or drinking or anything, and he didn't need to go to rehab. And then this happens, what
2: and they swung the E so hard for that.
0: Right. Three, four months later. So that means he probably was then, if he's now like. You don't just magically appear and start back drinking and doing drugs and shit again. So like, that's what I've always took from it. Losing my brother the way that I did is we enabled that shit. We didn't tell him it was okay, but we turned a fucking blind eye and we ignored it and didn't take it as serious as we should have. And now when we lost him. So like coming out of it for me, when I see someone that's doing substance abuse, like after a certain amount of time, how many, we can't, we can't continuously blame the person that's diseased. You got to start blaming the fucking people that are around him. Like, yeah, the people that keep giving him a job, the people that keep giving him a chance, the people that won't admit that he really has a problem and tell him to his fucking face. He has a problem that he needs to get help. That's where I'm at with it, like, including his brother and then his family members, AEW and all of those fucking people. Like, how much, mo- how long can you keep enabling someone that, you know, is sick? That's my that's where I took from him where I'm like, fuck yeah. Jeff Hardy. Yeah. But I was fucked Jeff Hardy before he. We found out he had substance abuse problems. That's wild. <laughs> See, they, they didn't know that. The bro, they didn't know that niggas love Jeff Hardy. That all <laughs> niggas love Jeff Hardy. <laughs> they do. That's another, they do. Version, another thing they did not know, that all black dudes fucking love Jeff Hardy. I'm like the only one that didn't. Like literally that's the only crazy. one that didn't. <laughs> Look, he said that's crazy. All black dudes
1: and Will Gray. Just, <laughs> um. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%, though. Uh, throwing my two cents on the situation. I don't usually like throwing a lot of my personal life out there in a lot of these situations, but uh, sobriety, substance abuse, relapse. These are a lot of words that uh, I've, I've heard a lot in my personal life. You know what I mean? From personal ones to family members, to friends, you know, we've, we've had people, we've lost loved ones because of it. And I feel like the biggest thing I've taken away um is the person who needs the help won't get it until they're ready you know what i mean and i feel like that's the thing jeff is going to have to be ready on a personal level that's not something that i can do or ac can do or rn can do or anybody like that's just one of those things that we can't do anything for jeff hardy it's going to come down to jeff hardy needing to be ready to help himself And I feel like that's just where it's at. And you're right. How many chances is he going to get before he genuinely hurts someone or hurts himself? We're not talking about professional wrestling anymore. We're looking at the big picture, big picture of it in the sense of what's going to happen if it happens one more time. And you know what I mean? You start looking at the situations where we've lost so many great people in the real world all the time, because of this, like, how many passes does this man get before it becomes a bigger issue than professional wrestling?
0: Um,
1: that's a, it's a tough topic, man, but I feel yeah. like it, it's one of those things that they intertwine when you have those big headlines that hit like that. Like you almost, it sucks to have to talk to them, but you almost have to speak on them. You know what I mean? If, if you want to, if you want to hear it. So it just, it's one of those really uncomfortable things. Uh, Kai says, you're lying, Aaron. He says, you're for sure wore fishnets when you were younger. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't
0: take anything he says serious. He's clearly the least smartest person on the Smack wall, brand. as we <laughs> proved that when we did the trivia and everything like that. So you kind of take everything he says with
1: a grain of salt. Uh, Kai says he lives 20 minutes from him. Uh, he could be his driver whenever he's in town. Absolutely. And I I still say it every time I go. I have like an O and a million record in anything wrestling Jeopardy related. For some <laughs> reason, when it comes, I have this great memory when it comes to things like I could just rattle off dates and times and title reigns. But when you put me on the spot and you're like, who was the champion in 1992? I'm like, fuck, dude. I have no idea. I came <laughs> in
0: second place in that show. Babe. The only thing that killed me was I don't know WrestleMania numbers. Like, I yeah. know matches. I know what happened. Oh. I know the storylines leading up to it. But if you ask me what what WrestleMania was it, I got nothing. And that's why I lost that. Like, And I, yeah. I and I beat Kyle on a random one that I just went straight up fucking Will Ferrell from old school where he just like, uh, and I just shot out WrestleMania 22 and it was right. That's how I beat
1: Kyle. <laughs> um, AC, would you consider yourself to be a wrestling super fan where you would say that like, you, you were one of those people who watched it where you're like WrestleMania 17, TLC2, Hardys, Dudley's, Edge and Christian. You know what I mean? You can just rattle off the numbers, your yeah. matches, your favorite ones. Do you have one of those moments from your childhood where it was just like, this is the moment for me where I was like, fuck, this is what I want to do for a living. I need to be a professional wrestler. Um, so, sorry, I mentioned
2: the uh, Invasion Storyline. Uh, my favorite match of all time is the winner-take-all match from uh, Survivor Series one And the SmackDown right before it was just everybody in that match coming out and hitting their finishes. Yeah. And, oh, I, I, I still don't think there's been a moment that has, like, surpassed that for me. And they, they probably weren't even trying, like, to make that special. But just how smooth everything was. You had every single big star hitting their signature move. Like, that was legendary for me. Um, I'm not a, I'm a super fan, but I'm not uh, good at dates, especially anything before 97. I'll admit <laughs> that. I just, I don't know it. But I remember like big, big moments that stuck out to me. So that SmackDown ending. Uh, Triple H losing to John Cena at 22 made me cry. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Obviously, the pipe bomb promo, that whole storyline. Uh, Katie Vick, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and uh, the Kane, when he was unmasking in 03, like, that was my favorite Kane ever. That run, that, that was where I was legitimately scared of Kane. The mask was like that, <laughs> is corny, but when he took it off, he was shocking, shaming man's balls and stuff like that. Yeah. That,
0: that, that man looked like the baby off a of Toy Story with the legs. That's what he looked like. That shit, yeah. That's why he always scared the shit out of me. <laughs>
1: All right, and what about you? What's one of those moments from your childhood that was just like, dude, this is it? Like wrestling uh, is it?
0: When the Iron Man match, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. That was. I mean, I can remember. I can remember where I was at, what I was doing, yeah. who was in the room. Like I can remember the the promo packages going over with Jose Lothario and all that. Like it just like, like that's when I knew. Like, I I knew I love things and and like things, but, like things were like. Like, I knew I loved, like, people and, like, my family and shit like that, but that was the first time I knew I loved something that wasn't tangible. You know what I mean? I
2: I will say, as a worker, I think every single person who ever laces up a pair of boots should watch that match at least once.
0: Yeah.
2: At least once. Because they went through that whole hour and did nothing but the basics, the fundamentals. And it was was a bunch of drills. Not taking anything away from the match, obviously, but, like, you, just, yes. you have to see how that can be done. You just have to. So
0: And then uh, Taz going through the stage with Bam Bam Bigelow, ECW 98. I was there when it was on my birthday.
1: Oh, dude. Shit. What timing, man. I swear. Uh, <laughs> Ravage Dragon just put that in the chat. I remember the ECW when Bam Bam Bigelow ran Taz through the ring and then again through the ramp. Like, Dragon just put that same moment Dane in Ohio, the chat. Hair
0: Arena. I was there. Yeah. It was my birthday. Wow.
1: Dude, that is so dope. That's one of those <laughs> moments, man. Um, For me, I had two that really stuck out in my brain as soon as I was listening to you guys talk. Uh, Boiler Room Brawl, 96 SummerSlam, Ooh. Undertaker and Mankind. Uh, the big turn at the end of the match when Paul Bearer turned on Taker. Uh, I thought that was crazy because up until that point, Taker had been a Paul Bearer guy. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. That was the thing. And then also an Undertaker moment was In Your House Bad Blood in 97 when Kane's debut happened. The Shawn Michaels Undertaker Hell in a Cell match, the big buildup in that story, everything coming up to the title. And then uh, Shawn getting the win because Kane debuts and everything building up in the story to the debut of Kane, keeping kayfabe like, people genuinely thought that was that man's brother. You know what I mean? Like they (laughs) thought they were related. Everything about it was like, this is the long lost brother that Undertaker killed that came back now. But for me as like a 12, 13 year old kid, like those were those moments that just like nailed it for me. That made me go like, I'm invested in this is what I, I give my grandmother shit for watching her stories, but like I'm invested the same way in this shit as she has heard, you know, yeah. uh, ER and stuff like that. Like I feel right. the same <laughs> way about it. The pipe bomb was another one uh, harping uh, going back on what you were saying. AC. I think that when uh, CM Punk came out and he sat down and he went Indian style and he said it. And then I think the character arc all the way over into 2021, when he came back and he sat down and he goes, let me tell you a story or you know how that's that that,
2: long-term story. Yeah. That's that
1: build. So I I love that. So the, the tie-in for both of those Um, one more topic, and then we're going to turn it over to the chat before we sign off Uh, forbidden doors right around the corner. Uh, This is a, one of those, another things that's been coined over the last few years, when you get these massive cross promotion work Um, AC, I'm going to have one question for you. And then I have a question for you guys together. Do you think, in indie wrestling when you bounce between promotion to promotion do you feel like the forbidden door really means anything in 2022 as a professional wrestler but also do either of you have a favorite moment when the forbidden door was used in the past oof
2: um,
1: it's a loaded question man yeah it's I, a loaded I, question yeah
2: I, I think it's still there um i think ae aew is like making it a point to like make it a thing and i'm intrigued by that i don't follow a whole lot of other promotions but i am intrigued to see what happens intrigued to see what i'm exposed to i know a few new japan guys but not enough to to really like list all the the names and i'm excited for this matchup and this and that but just in general i'm excited for it and what was the second part of the
1: you have a favorite – question. my incredibly hard question. Uh, do you have a favorite moment in wrestling when the forbidden door has been opened, when something in the past has happened that you're like, oh, man. I've got a couple in mind, but do you have one of those moments that stick out in your head right now? Aron.
2: Uh, so I missed all
1: the, the – uh, Feel free to jump in, RN. I don't want to dominate yeah, it no, I was letting him over. get
0: because, like, my yeah. shit's different. So. Yeah, I think – I was think, letting him uh, get in out the way
2: for me it was seeing Ed Bischoff be named the rodent manager i didn't see that coming so i don't know if that counts but
0: all right me, what about yeah. you
1: oh i'm no, sorry i
0: don't with, it, with indies i don't really look at it like that as forbidden door with the indies because that's their job and that's what you have to do and you can't stay in one spot you have to yeah. move along to make your money and to make a name for yourself so like as far as indie wrestling go i don't really count them a part of the as the forbidden door shit, because like there is no forbidden door in the Indies. Like anybody can end up anywhere as long as the paychecks there, and long as you got the crowd to get you there and that wants to see you. So like, I don't really look at that as like a forbidden door because there's no like, there ain't no like exclusive contracts with Indies, so you can kind of go where you want. But
2: as far they as try, like, but they
0: try right. Nah. But, but as far as I look at, it as for like the big three and like the big two, really, and like to me, the only like real, real. Forbidden door moment because AEW and and New Japan have had a working relationship before. Ring of honor and AEW, like and New Japan have like, so I don't look at those forbidden doors when you have a working relationship. That's not forbidden. The only real one is missed is uh Mickey James showing up at the fucking Royal Rumble with the with the oh, impact shit, world I Royal title that. on. To me, that's the only legitimate forbidden door, because WWE does not acknowledge any other fucking federation in the world. Never have they, unless they buy it and put it in the right. tape deck.
2: Ooh,
1: hold on a second. I'm stretching real quick, Iron, before I get ready to go. I've been well, waiting for to this. To me, like, that's the this only This is one of those I can... moments where I, I get it. You ready? Whew. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's hear it. Well, some of my favorite moments where the forbidden door have been opened. one, is 1998 in the Royal Rumble when Jeff Jarrett came in as the NWA North American champion. And yes, it was kind of an invasion angle. Uh, WWE is working a partnership with the NWA to kind of bring in some people ultimately so that they could get Jeff Jarrett to jump brands and come That's over why to WWE.
0: And Dan Severn was the champ too. That's why I don't count that. Well, how did you that, I- can you do that?
1: You're not expressing
0: all that with Jim Cornette. Like, I don't count that because they were in WWE.
1: Come on, man. that doesn't count. They were all there. Smoky Mountain Wrestling was its own entity, man. It doesn't count. It was its own promotion. They defended their tag titles in 1992. It was there. it was fan. WWE. It's been WWE's fucking uh, minor league and
0: developmental for fucking like full 30 years, bro. Stop.
1: No, no, you're thinking OVW. You're thinking Smoky Mountain no, I'm Wrestling. I thinking was,
0: Smoky Mountain Wrestling, where the
1: uh, Chris
0: Jericho and Lance Storm and all those guys wrestled like, they always picked from them and used their guys uh, either either as jobbers or to bring them up because Lawler that was Lawler's spot. So, like, what are you talking about?
1: Smoky Mountain Wrestling was Cornette's gig. But, right, right, my bad. But, I okay, I'm, I'm but I love you, Arian. I really. I just want to say that. I just, I'm going to say I love you because the things I'm about to say may not sound that I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> Okay, if you look at what Smoky Mountain Wrestling was in the early 90s, it was the last era of the territory days what jim Cornette wanted to do love or hate the man jim Cornette was a wrestling genius in the early 90s when he was doing smoky mountain wrestling what he was doing he had people bankroll him to be successful he was ultimately able to start a wrestling promotion with zero dollars in the bank and ac i know you can attest to this the deeper i get into the indie world working with the promotions i do it's so hard to make money in professional (laughs) wrestling So the reality of the situation is for him to be able to have enough of a mind to promote his promotion, go as big as he was, make money when he was doing it. He did fold, but he did make money while he was a promotion. Like I feel like he was a little bit more than, was he a theater program at the WWE? Sort of, but not really, because the talent that he was bringing in eventually before they went to wwe most of them ended up in ecw or went to wcw yeah. or went through the the dying days or came out of the dying days of what the nwa was like i don't necessarily feel like they were just a theater program for the wwe where they kind of the, the D-League, so to speak, or the G-League, like the NBA? Yeah, probably so. But I don't think they were just a theater program for events in Connecticut, though. So I disagree with you there. I think Smoky Mountain Wrestling was kind of its own thing. So for their titles, but you are right. That was the last and only time wwe has allowed another promotions title to be defended on their live tv it was 1992 survivor series and the smoky Mountain wow. wrestling titles were on the line do you think we're long overdue for something like what's about to happen in 2022 for the forbidden door with AEW? do you think we're overdue for this kind of like multi like multi-promotional scale multiple world titles on the line are we ready for it in 2022
0: i mean it is what it is like i'm I'm not mad at it that it's taken this long because like, I like that there's different stuff. And sometimes I, and honestly, I'm not necessarily, I don't know if I really like the cross pollination, honestly, but I think it's easier for AEW because as much as people don't want to admit it, they're still just a higher level indie. They're not really at the level that WWE is. So it's a lot easier for them to broker these deals and to make these partnerships with like impact and stuff like that. So it's like, it is what it is. Like I enjoy it. Like I love, uh, new japan i think it's the second best promotion in the world to me yeah. I, I, I watch it more than i watch aw so but like i said so to me it's fucking awesome and i'm enjoying every minute of it it's definitely making me watch aw more than i would
1: <laughs> nice okay gentlemen uh this is my favorite part of the show because it is the absolute easiest part for me I'm going to ask each one of you individually to plug your stuff, tell everybody where to find you, what you've got going on, and uh, all your socials and fun stuff to get yourself over. Uh, AC Mac, you're the guest of honor, so you go first, sir.
2: Yes, I try to keep it consistent. So, excuse me, sorry. I'm AC Mac everywhere, either AC-Mac or AC underscore Mac. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Tumblr, if you still have that, any and everywhere. You just search AC Mack uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, AC mac there. Uh, not sure if we're still doing of Manoeuvre. I don't know if they're canceled or not. I can never keep up. But if that's still your thing, <laughs> if that's still your thing,
1: I'll show you That's long term story. Well. Long term storytelling from the beginning of the episode <laughs> to the end of the episode. Right. See, <laughs> see, I am a great host, guys. I am a great host. No, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we
2: got some great stuff coming up, man. I just got off a four match run with uh, Anthony Green, uh, Macabe uh speedball and eric growth. so I'm, I'm dog shit tired but we got some some dope stuff coming up i can't make any announcements yet but just be on the lookout i'm in jersey this weekend for pro wrestling vibe it's the first ever lgbt festival like a whole weekend of wrestling oh, yeah. show so the fact that we're even able to get that i remember coming in at 16 and not even being able to tell people so it's been dope to see the progress yeah and we you know still southeast first Still repping it. Uh, I'm I'm trying to bring more notoriety, more exposure to a lot of overlooked talent here in this region. And I think so far so good. So I'm just trying to keep it consistent. Keep it rolling.
1: Excellent, man. Uh, RN, your turn.
2: Uh, Well,
0: you can find me on uh, Twitter, Mr. 8984. Facebook, uh, my my government, you know what I'm saying? Instagram, ARA8984. Look us up on Facebook. Uh, mean Jelly Bean memes if you want to make your mom uh, winch and your dad's butthole pucker. Uh, also follow us on uh, on uh, YouTube as well. Mean Jelly Bean Productions. <laughs> we just put our new uh, song out a couple weeks ago. Um, think too much. It was at a buddy of mine's uh, diaper party. We all dressed it up like dads and shit. New balances and leather sandals everywhere. So no! definitely check that out. No! <laughs> no. I'll shoot you the link when we get off here, uh, AC. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: send it to my boyfriend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um looking through the chat one more time before i sign off uh ravage brought up christian doing the forbidden door stuff with tna uh he also said when they did the thousand different mass wrestlers in the royal rumble allison flex on mickey james thinking her glasses were cute and aew have no doors they're open to anyone so uh that was the the last few things the chat had to say about the forbidden door Y'all so, all righty let me see if I can do it without fucking it up. You ready? <laughs> now, as we close another episode of Botch, Bots, and Chair Shouts, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. I remind you to go anywhere you do anything on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google. Literally, you have all the options. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible I sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous and would be one of the VIP people, head over to patreon.com and donate to the Smack Draw Podcast Network. You get some free swag. We get some cool equipment and awesome guests like AC Mac. (laughs) As always, I'm your host, the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. Botch Spots and Share Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all
0: haven't, go subscribe to Botch Spots and Share Shots on all platforms
2: to make
1: sure we're
0: here here on
2: Botch Spots and Share Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. P.I.J. Savage of Texas Aiko. It's a all game.
0: Fox, Fox, you
2: say it's